Turn with me, if you would like, in your Bibles to Psalm 107. Just by way of reminder, uh, we started looking at this at the end of May, and then the first Lord's Day in June, we continued. Uh, this is a, a call to give thanks. It's a psalm that, it seems, was written as thanksgiving to God for His delivery from exile. And this call to give thanks is not primarily by way of commands, but rather by way of recounting God's goodness to His people. And as I said when I began this series and continue, my aim is to encourage you to give thanks and to do that by way of recounting God's goodness to you, His people. Just to call to your attention, there are some repeating patterns in this psalm. Uh, you see in verse 4, I'm sorry, in verse Verse 6, they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. And then we see those words again in verse 13. We see them again in verse 19, and again in verse 28, exactly that phrase. They cried to the Lord in their trouble. And then we see God hearing their cry and responding to them. And then we have this repeated refrain, verse 8, let them give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wonderful works to the children of of men, and we see that again in verse 15, in verse 21, and in verse 31. A call to give thanks. And yet, the topic this morning is what do you do when the storms come? Because I suspect for most of us, giving thanks is not immediately our first response. What this text that I'm going to read in a few minutes and preach from, I believe, calls us to do is remember. Remember when God calms the storm. Remember when God has calmed the storm in the Scripture. Remember when God has calmed the storms in history. Remember <coughs> when God has calmed the storms in your life. And as you remember, give thanks. And so listen to the Word of God. I'll be reading Uh, from Psalm 107, verses 23 through 32. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord and His wondrous works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind and lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to the heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and He brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of men. Let them extol Him in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders." Having heard from God and His Word, please join me in prayer. Father in heaven, open our eyes that we would behold You and the wonder that You are our God, that we would behold You and Your wonders from Your Word. Teach us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you find it useful, there's an outline on the, somewhere in the bulletin, maybe the back side. Ever have a bad day at work? Ever have a bad day at life? That's what we see here. 
And we see it in the context of sailing at sea, something that probably most of us, I think Martin here is, uh, where is he? There he is. We have, we have one ship's captain uh, among us. I don't know if any of the rest of you are. Sailors were not common among the Israelites, among the people of God. We do have a few accounts of sailors at sea, and often the accounts of sailors at sea in the Scripture have storms to go along with them. We've got Jonah, as he tried to run from God, and God sent a storm and stopped him. We've got Paul, who was uh, following the Lord's path and was shipwrecked in that storm. We have the disciples who were with Jesus, but Jesus was asleep. But these were about their business. That was what they did. And so if you don't sail at sea, it's not, well, this doesn't have anything to do with me. What is your business? What is your day? As you carry out your normal day-to-day life, parenting, schooling. We saw some school crossing signs flashing, so schools must have started in Colorado Springs already. Seemed early to me, but what do I know? Uh, Running a business or working at a business. These sailors were carrying out their business, sailing at sea. But it went bad in a hurry. And there came a terrible storm. A terrible storm that was brought by God. And the storms that we face in life may indeed be terrible like this one was. Notice in verse 26, they were tossed to the heavens, they were down to the depths. It's up and down, up and down. If you're not careful as you read this text, you might get a little queasy because you can feel these terrified sailors being tossed up and down in this storm. Some of you have probably watched storm movies, and they can be terrifying even though they're make-believe. And yet here we have this terrible storm. And terrible storms come in our daily life, and often come in an unexpected, normal day, normal life. Headaches, doctor visit, scans, and a brain tumor. 20 days before Nancy and I were married. Not me, her. My brother-in-law said later, I knew someone would have to have their head examined if they wanted to marry you. (laughs) but an unexpected storm in life. Dear friends of ours, early this summer, in her pregnancy, diagnosed with preeclampsia, facing an emergency early birth, an untimely death at two days old of their little boy. Our dear friends at the seminary, Dr. Jeff Stuyvesant and his wife, his tab faced some discomfort, saw the doctor, had tests, and was diagnosed with very serious cancer. Storms come, and they come often in the midst of normal days at sea or normal days at life. And storms are often terrible and often unexpected. 
and your storm is your storm. Sometimes things happen to us and we think, well, it's not as bad as she's facing or he's facing. What am I concerned about? But our storms are our storms. And God calls us to deal with them. And when the terrible storm comes, we are to observe God's wonders and providence. Actually, what we see here from these sailors is they're observing God's wonders and providence there in verse 24 before the storm and after the storm, and even during the storm. The psalmist says in Psalm 104, God, you control the waters of the earth, is full of your creatures. The sea, vast and wide, is teeming with creatures. The ship move about, and the Leviathan, which you formed to play there, all of them wait for you. Job talks about God enclosing the sea. God brings the storm when He will. And we often don't know why or when. And what we see in this psalm, I mentioned these patterns, they called to the Lord in their distress. They called to the Lord in their distress. They called to the Lord in their distress. The first section is just a general statement. Sections 2 and 3 that we looked at at the end of May and the beginning of June, they were in distress because of their sin. And yet... Even in distress because of their sin, they cried to the Lord in their distress, and He heard them and He delivered them. But here, these sailors are just going about their day. There is no hint in the text of any wrongdoing on their part. And so you and I, when we face storms of life, should always ask, God, is there something that you're bringing this to my attention for? Or is this just part of your providences? Is this part of your wonders? And you know that often when we face the storms of life, we never know the reason. But we must know. You must know. And my hope and encouragement is that you're not in a storm right now and that you can settle this if it's not already settled in your heart and soul that God brings the storm. The storm only comes by the hand of the Almighty God, who always does what is good, even in the midst of evil. God brings the storm. And why settle that now? Because when you're in the storm, you're reeling and staggering like these sailors were. They can't stand still. They were staggering like a drunk. Now, it doesn't take much water to terrorize me. I've never been on the water in a storm, but I'd be, I'd be lost. I'd, I probably wouldn't be reeling and staggering. I'd be laying on the floor of the boat, hanging on for dear life. But these were reeling and staggering. And these were experienced sailors. It was their livelihood. It wasn't just a tourist boat, a tourist trip. They were about their business. And you know this if you face storms in life. And you've probably experienced it yourself. You've probably talked to friends who experienced. They're facing a storm of life and they may say something like, we're reeling a bit. And there is nothing sinful about being staggered by the storms of life. It is not inconsistent to both observe God's works and God's wonders 
and yet be reeling and staggering by the strength of the storm. Not only are they reeling and staggering, but they're also miserable and helpless. Their courage is melting away. They're facing sheer terror. They're like those disciples who were in the boat while Jesus was asleep in the boat, and they woke him, and they said, Teacher, don't you care that we're about to die? They were miserable and helpless. Their skills were useless. They were at their wit's end. Storms at sea and storms at life are going to happen. Sickness is going to come. Untimely death happens. But more ordinary storms as well. Children, you're going to be fussy and dirty and disobedient. And you who work with customers, customers are going to be unfavorable. And employees and students are going to be unfaithful and destructive. And employers and teachers are going to be unjust and abusive. And co-workers are going to be corrupt. And people are going to be sinners. And sometimes after the storm is over, it's possible to work on ways to lessen the effects of the next storm. But often, we just have to realize that we can't fix it. We can't fix it. If you were trying to guess what I was thinking in the outline, let me just give you this first part. Storms. Sailing at sea. Terrible storm. Observing God's works and wonders. Reeling and staggering. Miserable and helpless. Storms at sea and storms at life are going to happen. But it's possible that some of you aren't convinced that God exists. Perhaps you're not convinced that God is at work in the difficulties and the circumstances of life. Perhaps in your thinking it's just bad luck, just bad karma. And let me challenge you that you will never apart from understanding that God is at work, you will never find a reasonable explanation and you will never find a reasonable hope. The best that you can do is to acknowledge that life is hard and then you die. And if you're feeling that way this morning, or if you are convinced that God is and that God cares and that God works, I offer what this psalm offers, that there is an answer to storms. There is an answer to storms. What can be done? Call to the Lord in your trouble. Call to the Lord in your trouble. When you're in the storm, who do you call? You call to the Lord. Whether it's because of your sin or because you're just going about your daily life, you call to the Lord in your trouble. And if you who are the people of God find that you really only call to the Lord when you're in distress, there's a problem. But if at the same time you think, I don't need to call to the Lord in my distress, I can fix this, there's a problem there as well. So call to the Lord in your trouble. Don't think, I can fix this. 
The one who brought the storm can calm the storm. So cry to the Lord in your trouble, and he delivers. And he delivers. What does the Lord do when they call to the Lord in their trouble? He brings them out of their distress. When you call to the Lord in your trouble, he brings you out of your distress. Always, you might ask. Immediately, you might hope. No, not necessarily. And we must remember that. Sometimes the storm gets worse before it gets better. I have an email from a friend from some years back. He said this, he said, Yes, Ed, your God seems great, but it doesn't happen like that for me. I've seen my life totally disintegrate, and I'd observed some of that disintegration. And then he says, Let me tell you of my heartfelt prayer. I was moved spiritually and asked God if He was really there, if he was, if, that He was to do something that showed me He loved me in a major way, something wonderful. And the next day, I received a phone call out of the blue from my, bro- from my brother telling me that my wonder and wonderful and beautiful mother had just taken a heart attack and double pneumonia added to it. She was taken to the hospital, spent the next month getting worse, and then she got enough better for the doctor's attempt to attempt a stent, which would perhaps have given her another two or three years of life. And all seemed to be going well. But on the eve of the stent, she took another heart attack and the hospital could only send her home for hospice care. I was able to say this morning on the phone to this wonderful woman, I love you, and heard a weak reply, I love you too, and she died, and she's gone. And he said, I love you, Ed, you're great, but I hate your God with all my heart. Sometimes things will get worse before they get better, but God will deliver his people who cry to them in their distress. God will deliver you when you cry to him in your distress. We don't know if it'll be today or this week or this year or this life, but God will deliver you from their distress. He is the one who will bring his people out of their distress, either on this side or on the other side of eternity. And you may say, as some do, in a scoffing response to that idea that God will deliver you when you die, you may say, like they do, it's only pie in the sky, by and by. And yet, what does the Bible tell us? If we only have hope in Christ in this life, we are to be more pitied than all the rest. You will be delivered. When and how? Only God knows. One writer put it this way, God wants you to understand that it is a life of faith, not a life of sentimental enjoyment of His blessings. And faith in the Bible is faith in God against everything that contradicts Him. I will remain true to God's character, whatever He may do, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Call to the Lord in your trouble, and he delivers. Lessens the storm. Here in the text, he makes the storm still. This raging storm became a whisper. 
the winds were hushed. Much like Jesus, when the disciples woke him up, don't you care that we're going to die? And he woke up and he said to the waves, peace, be still, be quiet. And the waves were hushed. Often, only God can lessen the storm. I hear you get storms out here from time to time, maybe not as often as you'd like because you don't get as much rain as you'd like, but the next time you get a good thunderstorm, just go out and try to stop it. (laughs) Just try it out. See if you can calm the storm by yourself. And we need to remember that only God can lessen the storm in figurative and relationship and circumstantial storms as well. And so we hold on in hope, knowing that He can bring calm and that he will always do what is right. He lessens the storm. He moves you to peace and safety. He moves you to peace and safety. He guided you. He guided them to their desired haven, this place of safety, this harbor that they longed for. What a beautiful picture of the salvation of God. Often we live our life striving for, longing for, searching for what will satisfy. And yet often we find that though life seems fine, it's empty. And then we face the storms, and there's little or no progress, and even when the storm is over, there's no satisfaction. This safety that this psalm promises, this haven of rest, is only found in God. It's only found in Christ. The one who said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. If you're facing a storm, if you've faced storms and you haven't known what to do, call to the Lord who moves you to peace and safety. No harbor other than Christ's will fully satisfy. You can have more wealth than any of us. You can have more prestige, a better reputation, but nothing other than the safety and the harbor of Christ will ever fully satisfy. And when you recognize that, when God moves you to a place of peace and safety, perhaps even in the midst of the storm, because you know that your safety is in Him, not in the circumstances, what do you do? You express your thanks to God. Express your thanks to God for His goodness. Don't just be thankful. Speak your thankfulness. Thank the Lord. I mentioned maybe in one of the earlier sermons to you children, maybe your your parents teach you to write thank you notes when you get gifts. It's important to do. We, We try to do that with our students at the seminary, and sometimes they're worse than little children at writing thank you notes. <coughs> because much of the, the, the work of the seminary is supported by folks like you giving to that work. And we're not just to be thankful, we're to express that thanks to God for His goodness, for His steadfast love, for His wonderful works, for His salvation. If it seems that you have nothing but salvation, then you have all you need. Express your thanks to God and declare His greatness. Extol him, verse 32 says, or exalt him, or raise him up. 
And that seems almost silly. I mean, how can we who are so small raise up God who is in the highest heavens? It would be sort of like a dad asking their child to pick them up. Now, eventually, those, childs are gonna be, those children are going to be able to pick up their dads. But when they're little, and their dad says, pick me up, as hard as those kids hug those legs and grunt and lift, they just can't do it. And we might think, how can we lift up God? Well, how do we do that? We do that by acknowledging how high He is. We acknowledge how great our God is. We worship Him. Those who were in the boat with Jesus when He calmed the storm, they were terrified. And they asked one another, Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey Him? There was in that a sense of worship. Who is this who the wind and the waves obey? Well, God is the only one who the winds and the waves obey. This is God in our midst. No wonder they often fell at his, at, on their faces before Him. And they acknowledge how high He is. They worship Him. But we don't merely tell God how great He is. We tell each other how great He is. Exalt Him in the assembly. Maybe you've had the experience. I know that I've had the experience. Church is over. The benediction is, is, has been made. And what, what do I talk about? We'll talk about God and talk about how great God is. And, and let me just encourage you, maybe after worship this morning, tell someone else of something of the greatness of God as it's been revealed to you. Perhaps in a storm, perhaps just in an ordinary life. Tell each other how great God is. Well, what is the answer to storms? It's that they're calmed. Call to the Lord in your trouble, and He delivers, lessens the storm, moves you to peace and safety. Express your thanks to God and declare His greatness. God brings the storm, but He calms it too for His people. And so lift Him up and give Him thanks always. Pray with me. Our Father in heaven, as I pray for these, your people, I pray that they might not face many storms. And yet I know that we live in a fallen world, a world that is tainted in every aspect by sin and death. And so even more than my prayer that they would have minimal storms, I pray that in the storms they would call to you. They would trust in you. Even when they're afraid, they would trust in you, Lord. And that you would calm the storms. That you would lessen them. That you would bring them to a place of peace and safety. That they could say, the Lord is my God. And I am safe and secure in Him. And then, Lord, I pray that we as your people would lift you up that we would tell you how great you are, that we would tell one another how great our God is, that we would declare to you our thanksgiving and declare among one another your greatness. And we would do that for our good 
but for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name.